Welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two 40-something geek dads. I am David Moore, father, coder, uh, gamer, woodworker, and a guy with too many hobbies that I like to pursue. And I'm Ken Newquist, an IT guy who never seems to have enough time to read comic books, but refuses to stop collecting comic books. <laughs> so, uh, so, David, what have you been up to the last week? Well, last time we were we got together, I was working my way through Color of Magic, and I finally was able to finish it. Took a little bit of work. Uh, it's not his, not the best book in the Discworld series, being the first, but it was still enjoyable. It had a very abrupt ending, and the best way that I can describe it is it's a series of vignettes or short stories that are kind of strung through and, and put together uh, like a necklace sort of thing. And then it just kind of ends with, uh, well, the main character, I won't actually, I won't give away the ending, even though it's probably over 20, <laughs> it's over 20 years old, but it ends on, you could kind of call it a cliffhanger, but it's not really a cliffhanger. It's a good book. It's readable. It, it's enjoyable. I, it's not one of the, those books that I would pick up and read again. You know, uh, there are some books in this in the Discworld series that I would pick up and read again, but I would read it. I'm glad to read it the first time. I don't think this is a major spoiler, but I, I do. The, my, I have my first of all, my opinion of the book is very much the same as yours. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad I read it. Uh, it's kind of one of those things that if you like uh, Terry Pratchett, I imagine that you would want to go and read it at some point. Um, I think my favorite part of the whole book, though, is the whole expedition to figure out the sex of the turtle that the elephants stand yep. on that holds up disc world right yep. um which i think is just like endlessly amusing when i'm reading it right like because of <laughs> course you know that's what kind of like humans do right oh yeah we're right. part of a disc world and uh there's elephants that are on top of the back of a giant turtle this right. is known right so clearly a major philosophical question that must be answered is what is the sex of a turtle right right and and I mean, they, he even in the book, he even does describe that, you know, what if there's another giant celestial turtle and they come? Are they going to, to mate? Are they going to fight? You know, what's going right. to happen? We have to know the sex <laughs> of this turtle. It is a serious uh, it's a serious issue when you live right on a giant disc. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I was. I mean, again, it was it was amusing, but just like you said, like it's it it can be a bit of a slug to get through. I yes, think. I did start another book called Forging Hephaestus by Drew Hayes. Uh, it is the Villains Code Book One. It's a it's like a superhero supervillain story. The main character, the beginning of the book, she's basically breaking into this scientific facility and gets caught, and turns out that it's. The scientific facility is owned by a guild of villains. She's basically starting to train with them. There's a heroic guild, of course, in the same city. It, it's fun. It's interesting. It's been very long. I think it needs probably could use a little bit more, more editing. Fairly interesting story. I used to play Champions Online a ton. There are significant portions of the book that sound like that they came out of a Champions Online or City of Heroes set of role-playing sessions in a in a guild in in one of those games. I'm not saying that that's bad. It won't be for everybody. <laughs> I can understand that. Yeah. 
it, it's got an interesting piece of world building. You know, it's like every universe setting that has supers in it has like an origin story for different supers and why supers are there. There is a particular cape, as they call them, a superhero who did an experiment. After that experiment, not only was he a superhero, other superheroes and supervillains started happening in these things called confluences. They'll be able to detect a confluence is coming, but they won't necessarily be able to tell when exactly. You know, they can't predict when the next one after that is coming. They only can read the signs that one is going to come. And so, of course, one happens. And so some more superhero, supervillain people are created at that point. Hopefully you guys don't hear my robot vacuum in the other room, but it may knock on my door. Oh no, the robots are coming. Yeah, it may knock on my door politely a few times. Uh, the next one that I have up on deck, though, uh, A Memory Called Empire by Arcady Martin. I picked that one up because that one won the Hugo for Best Novel this year. Yeah, you're probably hearing my dog too now. Sorry. Well, you know, he likes to join the podcast periodically. Yeah, robot vacuums, dogs. Uh, you, you know what? Let me skip ahead. Uh, puppy, Zoe, is doing quite well. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Contrary to what's going on right now, however, Zeke has actually calmed down in his in his barking. He does not bark at everything all the time any, anymore, which is what we were hoping Zoe would do for him. She's doing pretty well. Came mostly potty trained. So that is a big, big boon. Yes, that is tremendous help. <laughs> yeah. Tremendous help. <laughs> yes. I've torn down pretty much everything in the garage wood shop so that I can rearrange it and make some improvements. We're going to put some insulation in and some drywall up so that in the summer when it's, you know, 80 degrees out, it's not 120 degrees in the garage. And in the winter, it doesn't, it's not super freezing. So I can actually work in there in the winter. Um, or at least that's the plan. But right now it's a giant mess. Last but not least uh, is gaming. Finally was able to get a partial game together. Um, only about half of us got actually were able to get together. But we did get together, started the D&D game again, planned a little bit. We're basically on a delivery mission. But it's a two-stage delivery mission. And we don't know where one of the stages is. We only know the general region where this shrine is that we have to go pick something up at there was some discussion about how we wanted to do that short but at least there was something theoretically we'll be getting together next weekend two other things which was i did play a game of godsend agenda which is another supers kind of game it's basically aliens are real prison ship of aliens crash landed down on earth thousands and thousands of years ago and they are the reason why uh, civilization advanced the way it did and they are the gods in civilization you know there was a Ra there was a Zeus that sort of thing the the godsend agenda is this social engineering way of this these aliens coming to a planet and taking it over some of the world knows about it some of the world doesn't um, they know that there are supers and so we played a good game with that this is the I think the third edition that's being worked on right now it's in beta jerry grayson ran the adventure he's one of the designers it's compare publishing and now my dog is outside sorry <laughs> okay he's just got to make sure the neighborhood's okay right yeah yeah it'll be released on cowboy dracula but we also played with uh, uh two of the people from the youtube uh show babies with knives 
Um, so that's their, that's that's their, uh, it, their logo is pretty funny. It's it is a baby with a pacifier, like flying with a cape with a knife in one hand. <laughs> that's fantastic. It's it's a pretty fantastic <laughs> logo, and they were a lot of fun to play with. But it reminded me that D and D and Pathfinder are slow when it comes to combats. Um, we ended up playing two or three different combats in a four-hour session and had a lot of role-playing and a lot of investigation just because of the way that the system works. Right. The system from the get-go, there's no real levels. It's more of a skill-based sort of system. But from the get-go, you can do multiple attacks per round or not. You know, you can choose multiple actions or not multiple actions. Um, basically, it's just a die penalty every action after your first. So sometimes you take a lot, sometimes you only take one, and that's just fine. And it was it was a lot of fun. That sounds cool. I I, I vaguely remember Godsend Agenda from back in like our original podcasting heydays. Is like one of those games that people were talking about, but I never actually got a chance to play. Got it. Um, so. I'm glad you had that like nice little setup. Cause I'm like, I know this. I saw the show notes. I'm like, I know this game. I know this game, but I couldn't remember exactly what it was about. So yep. that's very cool. How about you? How about you? What'd you, uh, what'd you do this last week? So I finally broke down and bought a new uh, day pack. So I have this pack that uh, my, mo- my, uh, my wife used to work for a uh, outdoors magazine and she, as part of this got to test a lot of gear and so we have this ancient pack that just it look it looks gross every time i'm about to go out for something with scouts or if i'm going to a convention and i take out this pack my wife looks at it and goes you know wait a minute that thing's still here and <laughs> you're taking that and wait it hasn't fallen apart yet right um so the time had come really to find a, a better day pack for a variety of different activities and so what i mean by day pack it means to be it needs to be something that you can take on like shorter hikes so if you're going for like a day hike of like 5 10 maybe 15 miles you would take this so it's enough to carry food and um, water it's got like one of those camelback type things where you can uh, carry like i think up to two liters of water or some such i've never actually gotten one of those it may be a new uh add-on that i need to pick up um, but also maybe like uh, lightweight overnight summer camping, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. if you know that you're going to be staying in a lean-to and you're just, you're not bringing a sleeping bag, you're just bringing um, like some light cover, that kind of thing. And you only need one change of clothes. This right. is that kind of pack. Um, and uh, and also like just kind of day trips. So um, both the scouts and with our family, you know, you're going away for the weekend. You just need to throw a bunch of stuff in a bag. Um and uh, you need to not be embarrassed by the bag that you're carrying. So right. <laughs> right. the last possible use case is game conventions. I haven't had a good um, a good pack for game conventions in a really long time. I don't know that this will actually be appropriate for a game convention. That's really very much a tertiary sort of use case here. But, um, you know, I, I'm also not trying to do what I used to do at Gen Con, which is like carry every freaking hardcover uh, for every game that I'm playing all around Gen yep. Con. That, that's just crazy. And, yeah. and maybe you do it when you're in your twenties or maybe even in your thirties, but eventually you should wise up and not yep. carry that much weight. Cause it just kills your back. <laughs> yep. The only reason why I have, I had succeeded in doing that at all was, uh, when I packed my schedule so that it was like game transfer between game game so that maybe the pack would be on my back for 15 minutes. And then it was sitting on the floor for four hours. You know, right. 
my my other modus operandi now is go to the go to the con with an empty backpack or nearly empty backpack and then go to the great hall and then go back to the car or the hotel room once it's full <laughs> and then drop right. everything off <laughs> and you know if you can get it you know if you can get one of the hotels at gen con or anywhere whatever convention you're going to where the hotel is close to the center of the convention yep and you can just kind of like pop into the room periodically <laughs> mm-hmm. but like the first time I went to Gen Con in Indianapolis, it had been after being at Milwaukee. And in Milwaukee, you could get away with this. Yeah. You could pop back to the room really easy. Indy, it was like three miles <laughs> to get from one end over to the other. Like to get to the exhibition hall over to um, the football stadium, right, is yeah substantial distance. It is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the football stadium to the main convention hall is a pretty big walk we used to stay at the embassy suites downtown and that's a good 15 20 minute walk from the convention center but that's not bad if you're doing it a couple of times it we also had the added benefit of that the years ago the indie game crew would also be at at the embassy suites along with a bunch of podcasters so the evenings we would just hang out there right so i have found the pack that i that i purchased it's it's hopefully on its way from REI, which is an outdoor um, store. I don't know how familiar everybody is with them. I think they're national. Um, I certainly went to one in Denver at one point. but Yeah, they're, they're definitely in Chicagoland area. So anyway, I bought the uh, Osprey Stratos 24 pack. Uh, this is a 24-liter pack. Um, and so I got to say, this is a perfect example of like, I'm just a big nerd and I don't actually know anything about backpacking until I actually had to learn about backpacking. So I have no, like 24, like 24 liters. How, how much is that? Right. Like I can measure it in Mountain Dew. That's a lot. But like, how much is it to actually carry in a pack? Right. And so by way of comparison, my big pack, the one that I would, I'll take when we go, um, backpacking for 12 days and hike 60 miles in Philmont, New Mexico, that is an 85 liter pack. Oh my. So on yes, uh, so 24 is actually very small. Yeah. Um, comparatively speaking, my 85 liter pack, I can fit just so much stuff in it, and and when you see all the gear that you have to take on this 12 day trip, you're like, oh my god, I don't even know how I'm going to fit it in the 85 liter pack. Um, so anyway, it's a 25 liter pack. It's got lots of zippers and pockets, um, which is what I was shooting for. So, you know, it's not kind of like your standard, like you got an LL Bean backpack where there's lots of compartments and you've got, um, like a a laptop sleeve. It's not that kind of pack, Um, but it does have enough external compartments that I would be able to like easily get to a map or easily get to some, like a snack mix or easily, you know, get out a a headlamp or something. Right. Because Part of the challenge that I have with some of the leaner day packs is that like you don't want to always have to unsling the pack and open the thing up and like right. try and get stuff out. Right. Um, and so it was important to have just enough compartments and pockets to be mm-hmm. able to to better manage that, especially if you're, you know, we went to Washington, D.C. for a long weekend um, with my son's troop. And and with that, it was just basically walking around D.C. I think we walked like 12 miles in one day, right? That's easy so to do in D.C. <laughs> easy to do in D.C. And so you really just needed to be able to, you're constantly unslinging and slinging your backpack. And so this has better back support, better lumbar support. Um, it's got like the little uh, arms that come around the side so you can rest it on your hips. Yep. Um, but it has enough stuff that, uh, and, and uh, this is uh, actually important, an integrated rain cover. Uh, oh, so you nice. can just pop out the rain cover and keep the pack dry, which is nice. important when you're uh, when you're day hiking and all of a sudden there's a storm that you were not expecting. Yes. Um, 
So I can't wait to get it. Uh, <laughs> my wife can't wait for me to get it so we can get rid of this other pack. <laughs> um, and then I think I'll just, you know, maybe I'll take it for some of my morning walks, just like throw some D&D books in the back and just so that I have some weight and yep. get a feel for, for how it feels. Cool. So that's yeah, the I big got, thing. I'm very excited. <laughs> I got two things for you. Uh, one is, have you heard of, I think they're called storage cubes, but they're mm -hmm. basically for packing. They're basically very, very thin, but durable material with a zipper. And they're kind of like yep. stuff sacks. Right. And when I was doing, you know, up until recently, doing a lot more traveling for business, uh, I had discovered them about nine months or so ago, and I've only gotten to use them once, but I really liked them. Uh, that mixed with your, your pack would be probably pretty handy. If if you have any trouble at all fitting stuff into a pack that size, <laughs> the other though is I have always had a problem with getting rid of backpacks because they <laughs> they still work. I mean, they look awful, but they still work. Why am I throwing this away? Do you do you have that problem at all, as well? Yes, or I totally have that me? problem. Okay. I have this this red LL Bean pack that was my my work backpack for a long time that I would use to carry my laptop to and from. And um, aside from the fact that that was a terrible idea and it really just kind of like created all of this stress and tension in my shoulders, I have a, there's an actual hole in the bottom because I put way too much stuff in this. And this was also my convention backpack and what have you. But like I have this nostalgic, it's a really nice pack, right. but it's broken. Like it doesn't right. even have like, it's still functional. It is actually broken. I just need to get rid of it. Although it's LL Bean. You might be able yes, to I talk. Could. You might be able to write them and say, "Hey, can you repair this backpack for me?" Or you can actually what lines. they'll do is they'll they'll exchange it because there's like a lifetime guarantee on their yeah. things. And so I had actually considered that. And so that is one reason that you haven't gotten rid of it yet. <laughs> that I haven't gotten rid of it is I keep waiting for LL Bean's like style to come back around to something that I like. Ah, uh, um, okay. I had actually. Uh, because of just kind of the strain of the backpack and also honestly looking for something more professional than showing up with a red backpack when you're going to meetings with like vice presidents or what have you. Right. Right. Um, even though I'm being very eco-conscious by walking to work and I have a good excuse for having a backpack um, still, you know, to sling your red backpack down in the middle of a meeting isn't uh, always the most professional looking thing. So right. I actually have a, a Timbuktu um, messenger bag, mm -hmm. uh, which has been fantastic. I use it when I bike to work. Um, and when I walk to work and it's pretty waterproof, I got caught in a pretty impressive deluge about a year ago, mm -hmm. not long after I got it. And it kept everything mostly dry. I mean, with the quantity of rain, this is one of those kind of storms where it was like two or three inches of rain in an hour and Oof. I got caught halfway to work. Yeah, that's it, like right? flash so, flood sort of danger yes, in some areas. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, the Timbuktu is going to be the laptop bag. I don't expect this thing that would be a laptop bag, but... Um, but in any case, I'm looking forward to getting it, and uh, I'll, I'll let everybody know how well it works. I've been searching for a, a good day pack for quite some time. I actually have been meaning to replace my pack for a long time. I just couldn't <laughs> find one that I really liked. Cool. Um, but my main pack is also an Osprey, so I like the brand. I trust the brand, and uh, and so that, that's why I got this one. Cool. Um, the other thing uh, that I purchased, and I totally blame you for this although i would have probably come across it uh was the uh star trek adventures uh books uh are being were being sold as a bundle i mean they're still being sold but probably not at the point where this podcast comes out uh via humble bundle 
And um, this is now like the third Humble Bundle that I've gotten in a row. Like I got the Pro Fantasy Mapping one. I got the Pathfinder got 2 one. one. And now I got this one. But it has all the Star Trek books. Like, yeah. like all of the Star Trek RPG books. Like the Gamma Quadrant, Beta Quadrant, Alpha Quadrant. Like I saw you when book. I saw like, it. So... So yeah, it's it's way more content than I probably have time to read. Uh, I may have to take a day off just to like do nothing but read, like <laughs> download all the PDFs, open them up, organize them, and uh, and actually just like start virtually paging through them. Um, but my game, we seem like we have momentum g- g- gaining within my group to do at least uh, like a one shot or a double shot of Star Trek. There is a uh, like a quick start adventure that we could try out. Cool. So um, I think that will be useful. Like running the one shot will kind of get us into the mindset of science fiction and help establish what it is we really want to do. Right. Cool. So is it, is it cool to do space opera in this mode or, well, actually what we really want to do is cyberpunk or we want to do something more like traveler because we want our characters to die in character creation. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the latest stuff has their characters die in character creation, but the earliest, I don't stuff know. Did. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't actually kept up with traveler, but there is like, yeah. there is a traveler random character generator out there. Uh, that uh, it's for one of the old school versions and you can just play around with it and yes, yes, your character will die in character creation, yep. which is uh, which yep. is kind of hilarious. I mean, and then the last thing, yeah. which I, I just <laughs> found out about yesterday, um, is my daughter, who is 17, approached me and said, uh, hey, dad, I want you to run a game of D&D for me and my friends. Very I'm cool. Like, okay. Cool. <laughs> so That's I guess that new cool. D&D starter set with the, uh, what was it, the uh, Dragons of Icefire Mountain or something like that? Was it Dragon of Icefire Peak, which has gotten rave reviews, and I believe we talked about it earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm planning on running this adventure for my son and his friends, and now it looks like I'm going to run at least portion of it with uh, my daughter and her friends, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, my son is 14, as we've discussed previously, and so... I've been playing D&D with him on and off for several years at this point, and it's been interesting to, to watch them mature and become more capable of playing, but I haven't played with 17 and 18-year-olds, at least right. not since I was 18 years old. Right. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I would be interested to hear, like, a couple of things. One, um, you know, it's your daughter, not your son. So what is she interested in compared to what he's interested in? But also, like, what aspects of the game is more interesting you know yes like like when you and i started playing most of the game revolved around combat and it was very rare to find a group that was really into role-playing as well as the combat now role-playing seems to be much more front and center but at the same time like D is still written around combat not necessarily around the role-playing very much so It'll be interesting to see how how your daughter and her friends, being seventeen and eighteen, not fourteen year olds, and and those extra years, how does that how does that factor into a game? Yeah, so I'm 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 looking forward to it. I'm 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 pretty excited. It's uh, you know, it's one of those things. I've invited her to play D and D over the years, and she hasn't. She's kind of you know been kind of hot and cold with it, mostly cold. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So the idea that she wants to like her get her friends together and play, like I mean. Could be just a one shot. We'll see what happens. So, do you happen to know let everybody what, know how it goes? <laughs> do you happen to know what got her interested? No, actually, I don't. I think I have to have that follow up conversation with her. I think um, I don't know. I I don't even know that that I care to speculate. Yeah, uh, I mean, she it's has very, a lot of friends. 
I mean, it's very popular right now. Um, you know, with like Critical Role and all, a bunch of other, you know, Twitch and YouTube uh, channels doing actual play. But at the same time, you know, I don't know how much that's like me being aware of it or, you know, it, it seems to be a, a lot more popular with people that have never played before. You know, they're enjoying it and are, are like, hmm. Let's try and play that now, you know, and I don't, but I don't know if that's where this is coming from. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll, we'll find out. I think, um, I mean, I know at least one of my daughter's friends, um, played in like a family campaign with her dad. Uh, so there's at least some experience out there. I think it's one of those things. It's kind of a cultural icon at this point. So mm -hmm. I think they're certainly aware of it. I know. I mean, obviously I've been playing it for 20 something Decade. years. Jordy right grew up with me <laughs> playing this right like one of the first things we had to do was make sure she didn't swallow the dice right. so uh <laughs> which we talked about previously but uh so i don't i'm reasonably sure i don't have to worry about them swallowing the dice but then again i remember playing in, in college so <laughs> and i had friends who did done things with dice so it's summertime and normally that would mean blockbuster movie after blockbuster movie and uh my getting together with uh, one of my my great friends from high school and that would just be our summer tradition and unfortunately this summer because of the pandemic no theaters and thus no movies so david and i thought we would take some time and think about what we're watching or talk about what we're watching uh via streaming since we can't actually get out to the theater so uh what's in your queue my wife has been really interested in the black widow movie eventually coming out but that even was pushed back till i think november because theaters are closed so I recently watched The Old Guard, which I think you did too. Yes, I did. Charlize Theron playing Andy. She and a few others are a group of immortal warriors that are trying to make the world a better place. I likened it like about halfway through the, the movie. I don't know if you thought of it this way at all or not, but about halfway through the movie, I'm like, this is like the inverse Highlander where you have a bunch of people who throughout history become immortal. So basically you can be killed, but then you're going to get right back up. Uh, and then, and then they come together, but instead of killing each other, so that they're <laughs> and in a way of there can be only one, it is, we're going to come together and we're going to all try to make the world a better place. You know, however we can, I really liked it. It's a, uh, it was a very cool, very cool movie. It definitely seemed set up for a sequel, um, which I would, oh, yes, or a series, <laughs> which I would like. You you had some notes on this as well, I think. Yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, I agree. It was one of those things I sat down and I really enjoyed uh, Charlize Theron in uh, Mad Max Fury Road, where she's Furiosa. Yep. Um, my friends and I, I have one friend who saw Fury Road, like, I don't know, 10 times in the theater. He was just completely <laughs> obsessed with it. And, uh, and I really, I mean, I still really enjoy it. I did not watch it nearly as many times as he did. Um, but still, it's a beautiful movie. The cinematography was fantastic in the theater. And she is just, uh, just fantastic in this movie. I mean, she completely uh, upstages Mad Max. And I'm in no way upset oh, yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, um, I would totally watch a Furiosa spinoff uh, in a heartbeat. Yeah, he the I think it was Tom Hardy who was playing Mad Max, and yes, he, he was growled a lot, but didn't <laughs> yes, talk he did. a lot. So, um, yeah, she she was really good in that movie, and I I really liked her character development in in the Old Guard as well. 
And so, you know, she's also she's also an atomic blonde. Which I don't know if you saw. I have never blonde. seen that. I have never seen that. That is another like just sort of kick butt like uh, it's 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 hyper violent. It's kind of like a it's it's in the mode of John Wick, right? Kind okay. of like in, in almost indestructible um, protagonist, indestructible in so much they still take a tremendous amount of damage and they suffer through it, and terrible things happen, things like that. So, <laughs> yes. But but having the dysfunction be front and center, at least like in the first season, like that was the core of their interaction. That's not that's not you know it's kind of like a C plot on the X Men. Yes, the X Men really are trying to be a team, right? And depending on which title you're reading, uh, they're more of a team than than not, right? But yeah, so I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm a big superhero fan so i enjoyed the first season and um i'm really enjoying the second one uh, i've stayed up too late watching this I, <laughs> so that gives you an indication what do you when you look up and it's two o'clock in the morning it's probably time to go to bed and maybe yes. you stop binging yes so the last thing I'm, I'm excited about although it is very weird is that baseball is back uh so i'm a mets fan uh, i think the correct way to say that is long suffering mets fan <laughs> and the mets are back and baseball is back and they are playing in empty stadiums and apparently i haven't watched that many games and i'm watching them on mlb tv so i'm not necessarily seeing the broadcast stuff that fox is doing but apparently fox is borrowing a page from like video games and digitally inserting audiences into the stadium weird okay yeah and not I on heard, every camera. I had heard a little <laughs> bit of like that they were thinking about that. The concept of it is weird to me because like the audience is there to watch the live game. But the people on TV, the people watching TV are there to watch the game, not the audience who's watching the game. Right. I mean, the, the audience can have, I mean, depending on, on the, the game that you're watching, like a, in the actual physical world, like an impact, right? Like, right, you know, right. If it's, you know, bottom of the ninth, two outs, you know, you're down to your last strike and, you know, the, the, everybody's on their feet and the flags are flying, what have you. There's that, right. certainly that energy there. But yeah, uh, I don't know that it's actually, I mean, it is definitely, the flip side to it is, it is definitely weird watching a baseball game that has absolutely nobody in the stands. Um, and in the Mets games that I watch, they have cardboard cutouts <laughs> in the stands instead. Like so a you lot of them or like two or three here and two or three there? Fair number. So there's a whole okay. bunch behind home plate. Okay. And so I haven't actually read up on this to see if like there's a logic behind this. Like if it helps the pitchers. Right. Like if they're used to seeing people and like if they're if they're pitching style if they, if they have certain tricks where they kind of need to be able to focus on, you know, the audience off to the side, you know, I, right. You know, right. I mean, I can you, imagine you how it might impact your mechanics. Yeah. You work differently when you're in front of an audience than when you're, you know, isolated, you know, even right. if it's just the opposing team, you're going to play differently. So yes. yeah, maybe the cardboard cutouts help with that, but they are cardboard cutouts, which yeah. is weird. <laughs> yeah. They should, so they, have uh, they should put like them. some, Chewbacca and C-3PO and, and R2-D2 cardboard cutouts in the stand. I think that would be pretty cool. That would be fantastic. There were there were three dogs. In the one Mets game I watched, uh, the players had cutouts of their dogs. Nice. Out in right field, in the seats above uh, right field. All right. And uh, one of them got hit by a home run. Oh, no. <laughs> but they took a lick and like, it just bounced right off. Because like, <laughs> that, that, that hard, you know, like commercial grade printed. Yes. 
what you would call it, poster board type stuff, right? Like Got it's it. not just straight up cardboard that somebody drew a smiley face on and stuck right. it in the stands. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely weird, right? Like you're used to to crowd noises, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a it is a strange time. But I'm a person who really enjoys baseball, so the idea that I can now once again for as long as it lasts. Uh, be able to go out on my back patio and listen to a game or sit down downstairs and actually watch a game is very nice. So let me ask a little bit of normalcy. I used to watch baseball, but I I haven't in years. Do you notice a difference in the players and the teams playing between last year and this year of their energy levels or, or how hard or not hard they're playing because there's not an audience? I think, I mean, I've heard that the games themselves are actually faster. Um, there's there's less pauses between different components because there's not an audience there to kind of play to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or just even that is even also like where the, the, the just the sheer sound of the crowd can come into play. Like when if you've ever been in a really loud stadium, right? And so I don't know. I haven't, I've only watched two or three games. And so I don't know that I have a strong opinion on that yet. I mean, the things that are odd is like there's, because every, they're still trying to social distance. So, you know, there, there's a lot of these kind of baseball-y sports traditions, right, where, you know, everybody, you know, if somebody hits a home run and they all come out and, like, congratulate them and everybody's, right. like, clapping hands and stuff. Right, um, right. There's a lot less of that, right? Yep. Like, you've got the managers right wearing masks. Hmm. So there's a lot that's just – somebody described it as the uncanny valley of sports, right? <laughs> like, it's like baseball, but it's not like but baseball. It's, it's, it's not like the baseball you're used to. That's for sure. yeah. 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 So, but you know, I'll take some baseball over no baseball. Of course, as long as everyone's being safe, and obviously, uh, Major League Baseball has had some challenges with that. I think the Marlins mm-hmm. had a, an outbreak of uh, COVID nineteen. Yep. So hopefully, we'll see how the stadium, you know, how the state, how uh, the the rest of the the season goes. Um, but it's odd when you play. I play the. I think I mentioned this earlier that I play MLB The Show, which is a Major League Baseball game on the PlayStation Four those games feel more real than the games I'm watching on TV because they've got the crowds and they have the noise and like all this. Right? Actually, so, I think I, I, okay. Now that you say that, I think that's, that is what I had heard about. Maybe it was Fox that was doing it. They were digitally inserting the crowds from the game. That's how they got the crowds. Oh, really? <laughs> is they were taking the game crowds and, and digitally inserting those into the image is that's that it may not be baseball. It might be a different sport, but that's, that's what I had heard. At least one of one attempt to add crowds into a broadcast was. Yeah. I think there was a soccer team that had tried to do the same thing, which is where Fox had gotten it from. Got it. Um, But it was also weird because Fox didn't do it on every camera view. Right. So you'd have four (laughs) camera views that had the fake audience and one that didn't. Interesting. I'm 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 definitely down on the side of no fake audience. I mean, I don't I'm okay with reality. It well, I wish reality were a little better right now, but yes, I think we all do. <laughs> I would rather I would rather uh take no crowd and people just playing baseball than to have like the <laughs> the weird CGI crowds in the background. I think it's yeah. just uh, it's a very strange. I know that here in Indy, so they had postponed the Indianapolis 500 from Memorial Day to August 23rd this year they were allowing crowds in but at like one third to one half capacity there's been some back and forth like iu health the iu health system the hospitals and and other doctors offices and stuff in the area are trying to get less crowds 
into the Indy 500 because they're worried about a higher infection rate. But the Indy 500 people are saying, hey, we're working with the towns and the health departments in the towns around the Indy 500. And they say that we're implementing good safety margins, et cetera, et cetera. It's also kind of in my mind of those towns around and those health departments. Is that like the mayor in Jaws? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Where it's like, no, that's a big moneymaker for us. So we want people to come in and watch the Indy 500, even if it's reduced. And we're willing to have other people accept the risk. As you know, amity means friendship. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So to bring it back around to a geeky topic, I have one last show I wanted to mention real quick. The Boys is coming back. So did you watch The Boys on Amazon? I I have watched a couple of episodes, but it I don't remember why I didn't continue. It's pretty dark. (laughs) It's it's very dark, and that might have been why. I would be much more interested in watching The Tick uh, live action. Than, than a dark show right now. So the the setup for the boys, uh, as I alluded to, it's, it, it's fairly dark, is that you have kind of like this Justice League, but, and they're, and they're all kind of Justice League superpowered, right? Except for the fact that they, with great power, did not come great responsibility. And they're really mostly just terrible people. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a few that are striving to be better. There might be one or two that are striving to be better. And there's like one who's caught in a bad situation. Um, but generally speaking, they're all terrible. And uh, for me, what actually just kept me going was uh, Keith Urban is one of the non-powered individuals who is basically trying to take them down. And he just chews scenery. I mean, he's just, he's fantastic in this. He just, he's full on. And uh, that's what powered me through. I don't, I'm kind of down with you. I don't know if I'm in the mood for a particularly dark superhero right now, but I am in the mood for some Keith Urban. So Uh, yes, I, I, that he would, he would be the one that would bring me into it again, because I loved him in Dread, um, playing Judge Dread, and I loved him in uh, Star Trek, of course, playing Bones. Um, and then he was, oh my gosh, he's in several other things that are earlier than that. I'm blanking on him right now, but like I would watch any of that again, you know, any of those movies with him again. You know, I think there's even a couple of bad movies in there that, like, he just makes it worthwhile to watch <laughs> so yeah so i mean it's it's interesting in so much as uh it, it reminds me of brandon sanderson's the reckoners which is a similar sort of like they're superheroes but they're all evil got um, it and okay. so you have regular unpowered people trying to take down supers and that's an interesting flip on the on that whole dynamic so uh that's that's the other part that attracted me to it um, but it is pretty dark, and so if you're not in the mood for evil superheroes, I would not recommend watching. And I think you mean Carl Urban, because you said Carl Urban, Urban. Sorry, Carl. Urban. Keith Urban yes. is evidently is also a a person of of note who is a I think a guitarist in a, in a yes. band. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I feel so bad now. Carl Urban. Yes, Carl Urban. <laughs> I didn't realize he'd been doing stuff since 1990. It's like, no, no, that's the wrong guy. And that's what happens when you ad lib something without having it down in the show notes. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Let's see, what was it that I? I there's there are a couple of them that I. Oh yeah, well he's in the Two Towers and Return of the King. Yes, um, Chronicles of Riddick was the one I was trying to think of. I was in Chronicles of Riddick. Yes, he is uh, Vako. He's the guy who who is 
plotting against the main necromonger um and almost steals the the throne but then riddick kills him riddick kills the the main guy and then he's like well i gotta bow to you now oh wow huh yeah i'm looking at a picture of him right now that's yeah wow yeah and there's a couple of oh he was also in priest which is not a good movie (laughs) <laughs> but it's I mean it's worth watching for him but he plays the he plays the antagonist in Priest Paul Bettany is the main character oh, geez. in Priest that's a movie that sounds like it should be better than it is oh my god it should be so much better than it is it, it, it suffers from bad editing and some bad writing in terms of like stringing th- it, it's a bunch of there, there are times where it's a bunch of disjointed scenes some of which go on too long, some of which are way too short, and it's just like it kind of jumps around. I think it probably could have been a much better edited and been a, a ton better movie. I mean, it's worth watching once, maybe not twice. 